So, you know, honestly, I, I didn't even know how to start this message. Such a different feel, such a different spirit behind this. You know, last week we were coming off the heels of one of the most tragic and horrific events many of us have ever witnessed in our lives. You know, I first recorded that message, the events of George Floyd hadn't happened yet. The senseless and violent murder of a man just down the road from us in Minneapolis, it, it hadn't happened yet. Now, I remember when I watched that message back on my own on Sunday, I was saddened. I was remiss by the fact that I, I hadn't made mention of that. I, I couldn't have made mention of it. It hadn't happened yet. And so with all of the beauty of technology, sometimes comes the challenges of technology. On, on that Monday, I was on a plane, which is an odd thing anyway. It's such a weird experience. If you haven't been on a plane yet since the pandemic struck, it's such a weird experience. We're, we're being retrained. We're being reconditioned to act in different ways. You had to put a mask on to get into the airport and had to put a mask on to get on the plane, had to keep the mask on. The flight attendants, they're not acting the same. The pilots, they're not acting the same. We're being retrained in our behavior. I think it's so ironic that this is 2020. 2020, which... Uh, You know, it signifies vision. It's, uh, it's how you should see. You know, when you go to the optometrist, if they tell you uh, you've got 20-20 vision, you're so happy about that. I think it's ironic that here we are in 2020 and, and yet we're seeing things that we've never seen before. It's, it's been um, the most interesting year of probably all of our lives. It's just been so weird. It's been so, so different. People who had such dreams and hopes and aspirations and goals for what was going to happen in 2020, it's, it's just been, it's been put on hold. And we've experienced things that we've never experienced before. And so when I watched that message back, uh, I was sad that, that I didn't press in. And what made me more sad than anything is when I asked myself, had I known about the incident in Minneapolis, would I have responded anyway? And I, I couldn't answer that question. And that hit me in my soul uh, because, you know, for seven years, I've talked about how at Life Church we won't share our opinion. I really felt like the Holy Spirit said, uh, why are you holding your voice? You have a voice and I, I want your voice to be heard. And so I felt like the message that I shared last Sunday was prophetic but it wasn't complete. And so I really felt like the Lord said, I, I want you to do a redo. Wouldn't it be nice 
if you could have a redo every time you make a mistake. And so this week, I want to go back and I want to talk about what we talked about last week. But since we've been talking for several weeks about context, can we talk about it in a different context? And so so we're going to do a, a lot of things differently. Like this week, we're not going to do an Ask the Pastor. We, we didn't do the Ask the Pastor last week because I was in the midst of a meeting and a conversation about what's happening right now. And so this week, we're going to do something different. Rather than do Ask the Pastor, uh, I want to air something called Ask the Rabbi. I had a very interesting conversation with my friend Rabbi Matt from uh, Seattle this last week about race relations. He, he has a different perspective than I do. And he has a different perspective than you if you're Latino, if you're Asian, or if you're black. He just has a different perspective. He's, he's Jewish. And that makes him not white. And in the summer, when, when he gets a tan with his, with his long black beard, he's treated differently. He's, he's treated differently than, than before he has a tan. He, he's treated like someone who looks like he may have ill intentions, even though he doesn't. And so this week, we're going to do the Ask the Rabbi. And I want to talk to my friend Rabbi Matt, whose people have been enduring this kind of injustice for far longer than any of the rest of us have, that through the entire Bible have been enduring injustice. And so I want to have a conversation with him. And, and I don't think we're going to let you ask questions, although we're not trying to hold your questions down. I'm going to ask him some questions and we're just, we're just going to listen. I felt like that's what God has been speaking to my spirit over the last number of days is would you just listen you know, the Bible says that we're supposed to be slow to speak and quick to listen. Maybe you didn't know that's what your grandma was saying when she said that God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. And so I've, I've spent the last number of days just trying to listen more. And so today I, I want to just go back and just for a few minutes, can we just relook? at what we looked at last week, but with different eyes, with, with different perspective. I want to talk a little bit out of Acts chapter 16. But can we pray, God, we love you. Um, in, in these perilous times, we don't know what to do. You know, your people said, um, how can we sing living in a strange land? And God, we ask that question. How can we sing living in a strange land? Things, things are just so weird. They're just so, so different. And so would you enlighten us? Would you give us your ears? Would you give us your eyes? Would you give us your heart? Make us less like us and more like you in Jesus' name. Amen. And so last week we talked out of the book of Acts chapter 16, and it, it's where uh, Paul and Silas, uh, they go to Philippi. And when, when they're in Philippi, there's no synagogue because there's not enough Jewish men in the community to have a synagogue. And so, so Paul preaches in the open air. And while he's doing that, he meets a woman named Lydia. And, and Lydia is a very influential business owner. And, and he leads her to Jesus and he baptizes her and he baptizes uh, her whole house. And then after that, Paul spends a number of days walking to the river so that he can tell people about Jesus. 
and baptizing people. And, and it's during one of those trips to the river that Paul encounters uh, a slave girl. And she begins to, to testify about them, if you would. And, and I don't know if her tone was mocking, but, but she says, these are servants of the Most High God, and they're, they're coming here to tell you about salvation. And day after day after day, this, this young representative of the Delphic Oracle, she, she announces who they are. And finally, after a number of days, Paul finally turns and he casts out the demon that is inside of her. And when he casts out that demon, he, he renders her different. And when he renders her different, her owners, they, they become furious and they snatch up Paul and Silas and they, they bring them before uh, the justice system. And, the, and they begin to talk about how they've broken the law with a public disturbance. And, and, and the people who are in charge, they see this. They can see from the crowd that, that there, there's something happening. There's unrest that's happening. And, and so before they have the opportunity to even be able to render their decision about the discipline that would happen on Paul and Silas, the, the accusers, they continue. And they say, not only is this about a public disturbance, they say, and they're Jews. And essentially what we see in Acts chapter 16 is someone who's, who's being accused because they're different. Someone, someone who's had, having charges brought against them because of the color of their skin, because of, because of how they were born, be, because of their race. And, and guys, sometimes when we're not looking at things through our current context, we can miss those things. We can miss the fact that all throughout scripture, people are segregated. People are charged with things that they can't control, that Paul and Silas, the charges are brought against them about something, not that they did, but against something or someone who they were. And in the midst of this, a, a riot breaks out and, and the streets are filled with violence and the streets are filled with yelling and the streets are filled with injustice and Paul and Silas, they're, they're locked up and they are abused over and over and over again and, and they're, they're forced to lay there and consider what could they have done differently. There's no answer for that. There's, there's no answer when someone is charged with something that they can't control. And so how did they respond? We talked last week that said they prayed and not only did they pray, they praised and they sang and the song that they sang was the great halal and it's from the 136th Psalm and, and over 20 times in those scriptures, every verse ends with these words, his love endures forever and while they sang the whole prison shook and while the prison shook in this massive earthquake the walls they crumbled and things fell in around them and this week I thought what is it that we do when the walls fall in around us and see Paul and Silas they they stood their ground they didn't try to save themselves they stayed they stayed there and they and they stood for the sake of someone who wasn't like them. And I wonder, what do you do when the world is shaking around you? What is it that you're going to do when the walls are falling in around you? Are you going to turn and run? Are you going to save yourself? 
And I've been confronted with that over the last number of days. That God has positioned me in a, u- a unique place. That, that God has positioned Life Church in a unique space. And I have felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit to tell you that Life Church is not going to turn and run. That Life Church is going to stand with and for those who need us. I've had a lot of conversations in the last number of days. Now, I had a friend who said to me, you know, one of the things that people know when they walk into the walls of Life Church is that Life Church is not going to stand for human trafficking. And friends, I want you to know my heart is that people will feel the same thing about this issue. That when people walk into the walls of Life Church, they'll know that this isn't another news cycle for us. That this is personal. That we are broken, that we are hurting, that we are wounded over this. That we are going, we're not going to stand for inequality. That we're not going to stand for injustice. And the reason for that is because hate is easy, but love is hard. For far too many of us, this is our native tongue. The things that we say, the things that we do, the way that we act. We, we act in ignorance. We act in, in ways that are so hurtful to the people around us. And my pastor Fulton Buntane used to say, if you want the last word, say, I'm sorry. And you know, for the first time in my life, I say, I want to change that saying. And if you want the first word, say, I'm sorry. And so can I just lead with, can I just begin with this idea of I'm so sorry? I'm so sorry for the things that I've said. I'm so sorry for the things that I've done. That, that for those of you who know me, you know that it's, it's not my heart. But sometimes we allow things from the mouths of people we love because we love them that are hurtful. And can I tell you that if I've said anything, if I've done anything, if I've implied anything, if I've ignored anything that's been hurtful to you on the other side of this screen, I, I deeply apologize. I repent to you and ask you for your forgiveness. Not just as a church, but as a person. You know, repentance is different than an apology. And an apology, you you can be saying that just because you want to get out of trouble. But can I tell you that I'm not looking to just get out of trouble. I'm looking to get out of patterns that maybe I have in my life that I didn't. Can I tell you that God looks past the exterior, but God looks at the heart. And when God looks at your heart, what does he see? People are confused right now. Maybe you're one of those people. I've had so many people who have asked me this question. Why would God allow stuff like this to happen? Like like it causes people to be confused. Why would God allow this thing to happen? Or why would God allow that thing to happen? And can I tell you that the same God who gave us the free will to be able to live in hate is the same God who gave us the freedom to live in hope. That decision is up to us. This has been happening since time began. Since sin has been in the world, man has been against man. In fact, Jesus said, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and there will be pestilences and there will be 
earthquakes in various places. And I think those aren't just physical seismic earthquakes. I think that those are earthquakes like we're feeling. Minneapolis is feeling an earthquake. Detroit is feeling an earthquake. Atlanta, Chicago, Washington, D.C., Los Angeles, like those, Green Bay, we're feeling an earthquake. There is a seismic shift where people are wringing their hands and saying, why? You know, what's interesting is in that scripture, the Greek word that has been translated into nation is actually the Greek word ethnos. It's where we get our word ethnicity. And Jesus was saying in the end days, we are going to see ethnos rise against ethnos. We're going to see ethnicities rise against ethnicities. We're going to see races rise against races. And in the midst of that, what is it that we're going to do? What is it that we as the church are going to do? And I can tell you that I can't speak for any other church other than Life Church and tell you that we are going to stand. We're going to link arms. And so actually, while this message is being broadcast on Sunday morning, and it may not be popular, Pastor Sonny and I, we're going to be opening prayer at a peaceful protest. Because, because listen, I'm for justice. God hates injustice. And so we're going to stand. And I don't want to give you my opinion. I want to give you the heart of God. And so in Luke chapter 10, there's this incredibly uh, famous story. And in verse 25, it starts and it says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit an eternal life? I love Jesus' reply. He says, what's written in the law? Like this guy's an expert in the law. So Jesus says, what's written in the law how do you read it? That man answered. He answered quick because he knew. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so Jesus replied, you have answered correctly. Do that and you will live. But the man, he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And in reply, in true Jesus format, Jesus uh, tells a story. He says there was a man and he was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and they went away and they left him half dead. A priest happened to be coming down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too did a Levite. And when he came to the place and he saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, he came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and he bandaged his wounds. He poured oil and wine on them. Then he put the man on his own donkey. He brought him to an inn and he took care of him. The next day he took up two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper. He said, look after him and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. And Jesus said, which of the three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law, he replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. We've heard this story so many times. So many people have preached on it. We've, we've read it. We've inserted ourselves in this thing. But here's what's interesting. Is that man asked Jesus a, a question 
to an answer that he all he already knew. He already knew the answer to what he was asking. He says to him, who was my neighbor? But he didn't have to ask that question of Jesus because it was explicit in the law. It was explicit in the Torah who your neighbor was. He only asked that question to justify himself. And I wonder what is it that we're doing in our lives that we're just trying to justify ourselves in? What response have we had to this injustice where we've just been trying to placate, where we've just been trying to calm things down, where we've just been trying to justify ourselves? You know, we're all so quick to insert ourselves into the equation. We're all so quick to make everything about ourselves. I think it's been interesting to listen to the response of people when they talk about this tragedy that happened that can I just say like the like the George Floyd thing this isn't new this has been happening over and over and over and over and the church has been silent for too long people have been silent for too long and I don't just mean the church as an institution I mean you are the church you if you have Jesus inside of you, if I have Jesus inside of me, I am the church. I am the answer. And far too often we present things or we communicate things just because we want to justify ourselves. And we respond in ignorance. We respond really in arrogance. And, and when we respond to something like what happened with George Floyd, and I, I've been in the rallies, I've been in the conversations, I've been on the Zoom calls where, where people wanna talk, suddenly people wanna talk about racial injustice, and suddenly people wanna talk about racial inequality, and I'm not talking about people of color. They've been wanting to have this conversation their whole lives. They've been having this conversation, they've been waiting for me, they've been waiting for you. And what grieves my spirit is as I, Listen to people who look like me, responding to people who don't look like me. The, the first response I hear people trying to do is trying to make it about them. Trying to insert themselves in the situation with comments like, well, I, well, I grew up here and I had the same temptation. I had the same temptation to read my resume about where I grew up or who I grew up with or what they looked like or what I listened to or what I read or what I'd learned or get like, oh, well, I grew up here or, or well, my best friend growing up was this. But can I just say this? Like from my mouth to your ears, this is not about you. Like, I, I don't know how to say this and, uh, Uh, the weight of this statement that I'm about to make. I vacillated. White people, this is not about you. Stop trying to make it that way. Be slow to speak and quick to listen. Stop trying to justify yourself. You don't understand. I don't understand. 
we're just like the crowd who was surrounding this teacher of the Torah who asked Jesus, who is your name? That's the question today. Who is your neighbor? Not who are you? Not how did you? Not where did you? Not, not what did you? We are no more confused than the crowd who was around that day. The crowd who was listening, they were not confused about who their neighbor was. God had already written it. Jesus was communicating what the Torah had already said, what this man had already memorized, what the crowd already knew. Everyone is your neighbor. They already knew it. All Jesus was saying was act like it. Y'all, we already know. We already know what's wrong. We already know the error of our ways. Can we please just stop trying to justify ourselves? The crowd, they didn't not understand what the Torah says because in Deuteronomy 18, here's what it says. It says, when a prophet rises up among you and speaks my word and lives my word, just listen to him. And if he doesn't live my words, put him to death. They never listen to what he says. They only tried to kill him. They never listen to what he says. His words were lost on them because of their predetermined prejudices. They only tried to kill him. What I wonder today is whose voice are you trying to silence? Whose voice are you trying to snuff out? Who are you trying to convince that you understand? You're trying to convince yourself. And you're trying to convince yourself because you're trying to justify yourself. And in 2020, the year where we're supposed to see things correctly, we are not seeing things for what they are. And so my commitment is just the same way people understand we will respond to human trafficking. We are going to respond the same way about racial inequality. We are going to respond in the same way with all injustice. Because not only did what happened to George Floyd, not only is that murder, it was sin. It's not the root what happened to him. It is a symptom. And so what we're gonna do as a people is we are going to address the root. Jesus hates injustice.
And so if Jesus hates injustice, and I pray to him, would you make me less like me and more like you? Then I have to hate injustice too. And so can I tell you that when Life Church comes out of this pandemic, we're not in any hurry to come back to live services. But when we come back, I hope we look different. I hope we sound different. I hope we feel different. I hope we are different. I hope we're less like us and more like Jesus. And so here's my challenge to you today. Will you seek out whoever it is whose voice you've tried to silence? Whoever it is whose voice you've tried to snuff out? Can we repent? He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I'll forgive their sins and I'll heal their land. And so today, I want to repent of my wicked ways. And I wonder if you will too. Will you close your eyes all across this place? I don't know who you are. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you've done. I don't know whose voice you've tried to silence or whose voice you've tried to snuff out. But can I just say, it's time to stop. And so today I pray for you. Father, today for my, my friends who are on this, who I love, who, who have sin in their hearts, would you eradicate that from us? Would you root that out, God? Would you help us hear the voices. God, some of us, we've tried to silence your voice. We've tried to snuff out your voice. And so today, would you help us? Would you help us be a voice of change? Hey, maybe you're watching this and you say, Sean, I, I don't have a relationship with Jesus and I want you to have one. Like you can't change who you are until you change who's in you. And, and so today, maybe you've been silencing that voice. Many of you, you're watching this and you know that you've been being led to something different. You, you couldn't understand. You thought that it was your conscience, but really it was the Holy Spirit. And he's, he's been trying to tell you it's time to change. And so the first way that we need to change is we need to change our spirit. We need to be saved. We need to repent of our sins and receive Jesus as our savior. So we're gonna give you an opportunity to do that right now. And so I'm going to pray a few words in a prayer and then I'm going to pause. And if, if you want to change who you are and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you repeat those words and you mean them in your heart, then you, you'll be changed and, and you'll be saved. And so, so will you say these words? Will you say, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I'm sorry. Everything wrong in me, make it right right now. Forgive me of what I've done. Forgive me of who I've been. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of the Lord. Would you just click that link that says that you've done that? We want the opportunity to reconnect with you. Friends, I love you. I'm praying for you. I'm standing with you. Will you worship with us?